Petra is an ancient city, remarkable for the fact that its most famous buildings are, rather than, you know, having been built with bricks and mortar and whatever else, the, the, the normal way you'd expect a building to be built, they are instead exquisitely carved from rock faces. Today you'll find Petra towards the south of the nation of Jordan, just next to Israel. It's out in the desert hills outside the modern-day city of Wadi Musa. But the story of this city goes back thousands and thousands of years, all the way back to the classical era. Petra's history dates back to, roughly speaking, none of this is certain, but roughly the 4th century BCE, when a group of people called the Nabataeans settled in this area. Uh, the Nabataeans were, a, uh, were an ancient Arabic people. They were centred in and around Arabia, but sometimes spread further north into the Levant. Um, and initially, uh, Nabataeans were desert nomads. They eked out a living in the unforgiving terrain of the desert. But sometime around the 4th century, again, we think, roughly speaking, they settled down and established a city that they called Rakhmu, that we today call Petra. And the location they selected for this city was very well chosen indeed for a number of reasons. Firstly, located as it was amongst the hills and the mountains of the desert with narrow canyons and steep rock faces, it was very, very easy to defend from anyone who might have wanted to attack it. And why, you may ask, might have anyone wanted to attack it? Because of another reason Rakhmu's location was well chosen, it ended up being a very very wealthy city, thanks to its proximity to prosperous trading routes. The very lucrative incense trade had routes that cut right through where you'll uh, you'll today find Petra, and so in settling down there, the Nabataeans were able to very quickly turn their city into a major trading hub. So think about this. You've got a very wealthy city that's also very well defended just by the natural formations of the of the land in, uh, in which it's located. The Nabataeans, they got it made in the shade, baby, and, and also quite literally, the literal shade, because they're able to take shelter from the hot desert sun in the shade of the rocky terrain as they skillfully collected rainwater and, and, and grew food in this unforgiving environment. And this is remarkable, sure. This is, this is a, a, an incredible thing to have done, built a city in, in, in desert canyons out in, the middle of, uh, out in the middle of nowhere, essentially, taking advantage of the, of the trade route that went nearby. But that by itself might not have been enough to get it on on a you know an all-time list of the of the greatest monuments and, and, and wonders in in human in human history. But the fact that the city was built in the way that it was more than justifies Petra's place on a list of, of, of the greatest monuments humanity has ever built. Because while much of the city was built of normal buildings, right? Masonry, stones, bricks, whatever. Petra was and still is filled with some of the most incredible buildings you will ever see that were hewn from the very rock faces amongst which the city was built. Now, we'll come back to these buildings a little bit. We'll talk about them in, uh, in greater detail, uh, talk about some of the more famous ones especially. But for now, let's continue with the tale of Petra's history. Uh, the Nabataeans, as you can imagine, flourished in their new capital. They carved these rich buildings to serve as tombs for their mighty kings. Um, at its peak, Petra is estimated to have had 20,000 citizens living in it, uh, all of them, of course, benefiting from the increasingly uh, increasingly rich trade that flowed through the city as, as more or less an oasis in the desert, a place that traders and merchants could stop and uh, replenish their supplies and, and rest uh, while, while making the trip through the desert. And um, as a result of this, as a result of the wealth that flowed through the city, um, it became immensely prosperous. It became a, a place of great culture. There are theatres and gardens and temples, all richly decorated by masterful stone carvers. And you can still see the remains of, uh, of, of these places even today. 
However, even the might and the wealth of the Nabataeans at their peak wasn't enough to stand in the way of the overpowering Roman Empire. Episode 254, get across it. Who, in in the early 2nd century CE, they expanded out from Syria to annex northwest Arabia. And this included Petra, which became the capital of the new Roman province, Arabia Petraea. However, Roman annexation marked the beginning of a, a slow but steady decline for Petra, which under Roman rule would not continue to flourish. And there were there were many, many reasons for this, but the principal one was trade. Before the Romans came along, as I say, Petra benefited from the uh, from the land-based incense trade routes that travelled uh, nearby. People would very happily make detours into Petra to, as I say, rest, replenish and, uh, and, and recuperate a little bit. But now with the Romans in charge, trade routes shifted and changed and most of them took to the sea. Roman, tra- Roman sea trade routes overtook the land-based routes that had seen merchants flow, flow through Petra. And so there was less and less money coming through the city every year. All the same, it did remain a very popular place for people to visit and, and, and marvel at. Roman emperors like Hadrian visited and were extremely impressed with the place. But uh, even this couldn't forestall the city's ultimate decline. And on top of the economic and commercial downturn, Petra was also hit by an earthquake in the year 363, which didn't just destroy uh, many buildings in Petra, but also greatly damaged the city's irrigation systems, which obviously isn't ideal when you're out in the middle of the desert. And so while people continued to live in the increasingly ruined city for the next few centuries, by the end of the 7th century, Petra seems to have been abandoned altogether. Briefly, during the 12th century, crusading Europeans built some small castles and fortifications nearby. Again, places very easy to defend, but these were also abandoned in time. And so, ultimately, Petra fell into historical obscurity. It had the occasional visitor here and there, but broadly speaking, there just weren't that many people who even knew of the city's existence. So it sat there, hidden, tucked away in the desert canyons and valleys, for hundreds of years. And that remained the case until the early 19th century, when historical interest in Petra as an ancient city was renewed as European explorers made their way through the region. It was a Swiss fella by the name of Johann Ludwig Burkhardt who became the first European to encounter Petra in the modern era, and he shared what he'd found with the rest of the wider world. He described the incredible rock-cut architecture that had remained very well preserved in this desert city, And this, of course, led to more and more interest in the place, which led to more and more visitors to the place. And uh, before long, Petra was well known throughout the modern world, studied by scholars and historians and archaeologists. And they helped to disseminate and share more information than ever about this incredible site, which leads us very neatly into talking about what makes Petra the monument that it is today. Firstly, before even talking about its spectacular carved buildings, which we will come to, the fact that the city even exists in the first place is is pretty amazing, as I sort of touched upon before. It's in the middle of the desert. It has no natural water supply, which is, you know, pretty important, not just in setting up a city, but also to life itself. Uh, I mentioned before the Nabataean people were experts in harvesting rainwater, and this was what enabled Petra to be established in the first place, because the Nabataeans had quite sophisticated, for the time, Uh, systems of capturing and storing water, whether it was falling from the sky or during periods of of flooding. And this meant that during prolonged dry spells that obviously are so common in desert areas, uh, the Nabataeans and the people in Petra, they were able to survive. So as I I said, it, it turned the city into an oasis. You can imagine how ready all these weary merchants and traders were to stop off and 
uh, and replenish their water supplies and, and take some time out from the unforgiving heat of the desert. And uh, of course, while they're there, they're, these, these are wealthy merchants and traders. Of course, they're going to have money to spend. And this is one of the reasons behind uh, Petra's prosperity, which leads into right the next thing, the real thing that makes uh, Petra such, a, such an incredible monument. Because with the city established, with its wealth growing and growing, the Nabataeans very, very determinedly worked on turning Petra into a true marvel with their mastery of intricate rock carving. And the fact that the city is known today as uh, as Petra and not as Rachma, as the Nabataeans would have called it back in the day, um, is is a reflection of the masterful skill of the of the Nabataean stone carvers. Because Petra is just Latin for rock, so the city is named after its most famous attribute, the the rocks from which it was carved. And uh, very happily, much of this carving has survived through to the modern day and, and gives us a huge amount of insights into the, the life and times of the city when it was at its peak. Petra's architecture is mainly Greek, which may surprise you given that it was an Arabic city in the Levant. But uh, no, much of the architecture, the most famous architecture is all Hellenistic. Um, and this, uh, this tells us two things, right? Number one. It demonstrates the enormous cultural dominance of the Greek world during this period of history. This is a city in the middle of the desert, miles and miles away from the Greek heartlands. But all the same, the Arab architects who designed this city decided to adopt the cultural expression of the Greeks, this Hellenistic style, which which shows us just how much sway Greek culture had uh, in this part of the world during this part of history. Um, and the second thing is it shows us that not only was Greek culture dominant, Petra and the Nabataeans had exposure to it. It is a remote desert city, but it has access to and understandings of distant cultures like that of the Greeks. Petra as a trading hub was necessarily very culturally diverse. And it's interesting that from all of these cultures, it was the Hellenistic style of the Greeks that they chose for their buildings. So Petra really was a, a, a cultural crossroads, and this led to some of the most incredible cultural expression, architectural cultural expression, that you're likely to come across. The buildings in Petra are unlike anything else, right? Most of the, um, most of the freestanding buildings of Petra are in ruins. I already mentioned that before, but that's, that's not the focus. The, the, the ones that were, were cut into rock faces themselves, largely speaking, they have survived through to today, and many of them are in incredible condition. Most famously of all, of course, is a building known as the Treasury. It is invariably the one that you think of when you imagine Petra. Um, if you have no idea what Petra looks like, just type Petra into Google and probably the first result you will get is a picture of the Treasury, right? That's how famous uh, this this particular building is. But even if you don't think you have seen the Treasury before, there's a good chance you have and you don't know it. Have you seen Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Because the Treasury heavily features in that film's climax. Uh, it's featured in a Tintin book um, in uh, The Red Sea Sharks. It's also in Overwatch and in Mortal Kombat, for those who enjoy video games. The Treasury, or uh, Alcazne, as it's known, um, is uh, perhaps the best... Ex- no, not even perhaps. It is just the best example of Nabataean rock-cut architecture. It is hewn out of a rock face at the end of a long, narrow canyon. It's 40 metres tall, 25 metres wide, uh, and extends beyond its facade in the cliff face right into the sandstone rock of this canyon wall. And its facade is intricately decorated with columns and carvings. And while time has weathered away some of the details of, you know, the statues and whatever else uh, on the front of this building, the whole thing is still in very, very good condition considering it's over 2,000 years old. 
Um, and despite being called the Treasury, it almost certainly wasn't. It was probably just a tomb. Um, there were legends about ancient kings storing treasure in there as as well. But as with as with most of the buildings cut into Petra's uh, cut into Petra's rock faces, it was it was probably just a tomb. Uh, but interestingly, in contrast to the exquisitely decorated exterior facade, the interior of the treasury very plain. Uh, it's in places quite roughly hewn. It's undecorated. They uh, the the stonemasons really seem to the, the stone carvers really seem to have spent all their time on the outside of the building, and then just packed up the tools and and and, and gone home. That was it. But the treasury is just one example of the incredible work of the Nabataeans. Uh, there's the monastery, another beautiful rock-cut Hellenistic building. It's also known as the Adir. It's the largest building of its kind in Petra. And uh, you should go and have a look at it because the, the monastery is, it's just basically a small rocky mountain with this incredibly detailed building just carved out of it. It's amazing. And there are so many other places. There's the theatre that's partially ruined, cut out of the side of the mountain. There's the the high place of sacrifice overlooking the city. There's the garden temple, the the urn tomb, the Renaissance tomb. There's so many other examples, including, of course, the enormously famous royal tombs, a row of facades cut into the side of a cliff, right? One of which is the three-story palace tomb, one of the most richly decorated buildings in the entire city. There's so much to see in Petra across the ruins and the facades that wind through the desert hills and canyons, and almost a million people a year travel to Jordan just to see what is undoubtedly its most popular tourist attraction. However, of course, its popularity threatens its conservation. Tourists are unwittingly causing steady damage to the site through walking through it, touching it, even, believe it or not, through just breathing near it. The humidity produced by human bodies has actually been enough to stain the stones of buildings like the Treasury. Although I am pleased to say the Jordanian government seems to take the conservation of Petra very, very seriously indeed. And it makes good sense. They've got every reason to look after the place. Apparently, 20% of the Jordanian economy just comes from tourism. So uh, it's in their best interest to make sure that Petra's in good nick. And as a result, national organisations like the Petra National Trust work with international organisations like UNESCO in order to preserve this ancient city for future generations. And while, of course, uh, it will never equal an in-person visit to this incredible monument, I want to share something with you here that uh, may help you truly appreciate the splendour of uh, of Petra. Because I'm I'm very happy to tell you, you can go onto Google Maps and, from the comfort of your own home, explore Petra in great detail, extremely thoroughly, not just through Street View, but also through all the panoramic pictures that visitors have submitted. While researching this episode, I spent... um, I spent a lot longer than I meant to just wandering around Petra on Google Maps. It's it's easy to get lost in the place in more ways than one. So I do suggest you do the same. You'll learn a lot and you will have an opportunity to appreciate a site of monumental cultural value. Just make sure that you hold your breath while you're going past the treasure. You know, better better safe than safe. 